It's the name above every name. Amen. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. Father God, we thank you so much for your goodness towards us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Lord Jesus, thank you for coming on our, on our behalf. and We glorify you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Good to see you all this morning. What a day. It's already been. We baptized three in the first service. Got to thinking today that, you know, we do have three services, so not everybody knows what goes on in each service, but uh, uh, each week we baptize, like today's five weeks in a row that we baptize, and so y'all might not have known that. And so it's just been awesome all that God doing. Well, who are we as a church? Well, at Sand Springs, we are Bible-based. That's beware you say amen, in case you need help. We are Bible-based, Christ-centered, Spirit-led, and y'all should know that last one, family-focused, family-focused. And so we're going to continue talking about uh, homework, and I, I sent you home with homework last Sunday to, to go and have a nice date with your honey bun, and uh, today I'm not going to send you out with homework except for when you... Here are these points of this message. These are things that we need to work on in every one of our homes, every one of our homes. So what is it to have a Christian home? Now, I go into uh, different ser- sermons kind of thinking about different things, but always thinking about one thing. We have one goal in this service. We have one goal in this service, and that is for people to know God. Amen. It's for people to know God. Now, I don't come preach an evangelistic sermon every Sunday morning service. I don't do that because I would feel like, you know, this is my, my chance to preach to Christians. And if uh, I would think that in this room, Christians are the great majority. Uh, and so while I'm preaching to those who, there may be few that don't yet know Christ, I hope that I am letting you see the goodness of Christ and that you would say at the end of the service, oh, I want him. I want my life transformed by the Lord. And so even though today I'm talking about the Christian home, just know that it is actually, I mean, I don't have to tell you, we all know it, it's actually the desire of every one of us to live in a home just like this. It's the desire of every one of us. And so I'll let you know that, uh, number one, is to be a, a happy home. Amen? Don't you want to live in a happy home? Don't you want that house? Now, I know a house and a home are two different things. But when you come into that house, that it is a, a safe place, it's a joyful place, it is, it is somewhere you run to, not from, amen? amen? And so we want the Christian home to be, God wants the Christian home to be a happy home. Now, uh, I have a great friend of mine, uh, Brother Vic Taylor, and uh, he gave me great advice uh, as the boys were coming up, he loves my boys, and and he's already raised two sons, like I'm raising, raised two sons. And, and uh, he then had all grandsons, like five grandsons. And it's, a, it's a boy-dominant family. And, uh, and he just gave me one neat little tip that I, man, I held on to that. And I think that is the best parenting advice that I've ever heard. And this is what it was. Have fun with your kids. Doesn't sound very spiritual, does it? But it is so super spiritual. Have fun with your kids. If our home is a happy home, then 
then it opens up avenues to be able to minister to our family for years to come. Not just, you know, that day, if you have a happy day occasionally in your home, that's not enough. It should be the overwhelming environment of the home that it's a a happy home. Our home should be filled with laughter. Amen. I believe our church home should be filled with laughter. I don't don't like walking into a, a time of worship and feel like I just stepped into a funeral. It should be filled with laughter. It should be filled with, my goodness, we have more to be happy about, more to be joyful about than anybody on the planet. Amen. And so let our homes be happy homes. It should be a place that's fun and enjoyable. We ought to be able to enjoy our home, not endure our home. Amen. Enjoy it. In the book of Nehemiah, chapter 8, I'm going to give you a little bit of a background of what's going on here. In Nehemiah chapter 8, God is bringing back the nation of Israel from captivity after 70 years. And, and Nehemiah is one who would be uh, kind of leading the operation of, of building the wall around the city of Jerusalem. And, and so as they are getting ready, as they're, they're doing all the works, we have the wall being built. And, and now they come together for a reading of the scriptures. Reading of the scriptures. See if the response of the people is not similar to oftentimes our response when we read the scriptures, they, they, they read the scripture. We're going to start in uh, Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 8. So they read distinctly from the book and the law of God, and they gave the sense. In other words, the understanding of it. So, uh, and they helped them to understand the reading. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. By the way, sometimes I'll say in the middle of a sermon, remember that. And so I'm telling you right now, that phrase, this day is holy. Remember that, okay? We're going to come back to it. Remember that, this day is holy. So he said, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. All the people wept. So we had, we had such guilt, such Shame, such sorrow had washed over the people when they read the law of God. So the law was read and all of a sudden people just boo-hooing and crying and mourning. Why? Because now that you've read that, I don't measure up to that. I've, I recognize my failings. I recognize my, my flaws. And, and so all the people were crying and boo-hooing. It's like no wonder we were held in captivity for 70 years. And we still hadn't learned our lesson. We still haven't arrived. And, and we're still not coming any better than we were when we left. So they start crying. Then, verse 10. Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat and drink the sweet. That sounds to me like a steak and a sweet tea. I don't know. I just, uh, I mean, East Texas sweet tea. It's like syrup, all right? And if you say syrup, you're not from East Texas. It's syrup, one for one syllable. <laughs> Sorry, I get distracted. Uh, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared, for this day is holy to our Lord. Everybody with it? Do not sorrow. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. What is our strength? The joy of the Lord. We are commanded over and over and over the scriptures to rejoice, be joyful, be joy-filled. We ought to, as Christians, be the most attractive people on the planet. Everyone wants to 
be happy. Everyone wants to experience joy. Everyone wants to, to be lifted up. But here's what sometimes happens when it comes to religion. It weighs us down. You know, those who are often so super religious are those who are often the most heavy. And remember what I, when I refer to religion in a negative tone, here's what I believe religion is. It's three things most often. Rules, ritual, and repetition. And the, the, the view of religion versus relationship, which is what I preach, relationship. The view of religion is, I'm looking at me to see where I measure up. And when they heard the scriptures, they said, I don't measure up. I'm trying to measure up. I'm trying to be uh, uh, worthy of his goodness. Let me tell you, you ain't, you ain't ever going to be. All right? <laughs> it is by his grace you have been saved. Through faith. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Amen. So let's get our eyes off of us. Because when we put our eyes on us, what happens? We get heavy. Your home should not be a heavy place. You shouldn't walk into the house with tension. And, uh, you, you should walk in with tension and it just starts falling off in the house. Because now I'm at a happy home. Now I'm in a, a good place. Now I'm in a place of refuge. And yet so many of us, when we, 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 we feel like striving uh, for my third point, I'm not going to say it yet. When we're striving for it, we, we often turn our eyes inward and that will create heaviness. And I'm going to tell you something, that heaviness does not make a good transfer to your children. I'm telling you the truth. They don't want what you have if it makes you like that. I've had acquaintances that were ministers, quite a few of them. I won't call them necessarily friends because I don't like being friends with heavy people. I don't, I won't be around joyful people. And so I've had these acquaintances who, man, they, they raised their children up doing the things that religious people were supposed to do in their understanding. And they had family Bible studies, and they, man, they, they, and I'm not, please don't think that I'm saying that's wrong. It is so right. It is so good. And they would do all of these things, check the box, check the box, check the box, that religious people were supposed to do in their home. And you know what happened when their kids got old enough to get out of the house? They got out as quick as they could, and they denied the faith, and they walked away from the Lord, walked away from the church. Why? Because the heaviness of the home, they wanted to get away from that stuff as fast as they could. Your, if, if you bring religion and heaviness into your home, it is not going to transfer to your children. The joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord. It should be a place that is joyful and happy and, and, and laughing. And all of that should be a part of the Christian home. Now, please, I, there should be scripture. There should be worship. There should be these things. Uh, don't deny those things. But how does it feel when you walk into your house? I'm not one of those guys that says, how does that make you feel? How does that make you feel? I, I just, with, with my manness, I like, mm, don't ask me that question. Don't ask me that question. How many, but how do your kids feel when they walk into the home? Is there a heaviness or is it a happy place? So number one, it should be happy. Uh, I want to look at Isaiah chapter 61, verse 3. But we're going to actually start. This is a verse that 
Sand Springs, uh, you should know, actually, if you've been here a year, you do know this passage of Scripture. This is the passage that, Luke, uh, that Jesus preached in Luke chapter 4. He, he quoted this passage, and I'm going to read it. Isaiah 61, verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison doors to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, and check this out, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. So if you have a spirit of heaviness, it's, it says it's a spirit, and it's not a good one. There's a spirit of heaviness, and God says, hey, let me take that off of you. That is not fitting for a child of God to wear. And let me put on you a garment of praise. What is the garment of praise? Well, I'm going to tell you, praise has to be done with the mouth. Worship can be done with giving. Worship can be done with serving, as you see all around this word. Worship can be done in all those ways, but praise comes from the lips. And so how is it there I've put on a garment of praise? When that comes out of my mouth, I have a whole new disposition. Amen. I'm suited up differently. The garment of praise. And what's it for? He's exchanging the spirit of heaviness. Religion brings heaviness. Relationship brings praise. Amen. Y'all walk with me now. Work with me. And so here are the five things. I'll just point them out real quickly. I mentioned as we started the service, Sand Springs is Bible-based, Christ-centered, spirit-led, and family-focused. And what happens is we do these five things. We preach the gospel. We care for the soul. Make sure the soul is healed. Heal the brokenhearted. We proclaim liberty to the captives. This is deliverance. Some, of those, some people need to be spiritually delivered. We have uh, the, the recite. Restore sight to the blind. This is physical healing. And then declare the, uh, the, the acceptable year of the Lord. And this is restoration. The five things that we do. Evangelize. Soul care. Deliverance. Healing. And restoration. That's what we do. That's what we do. But who we are is Bible-based, Christ-centered, spirit-led, and family-focused. I just want to make it clear. If you hear it again next Sunday, act like you never heard that before. But you're going to hear it over and over and over again. And Jesus says, this is what he was anointed to do. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to do those five things. And guess what? He calls us to do those five things. Those five things. And, 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 if, and Jesus, I believe, as the Scripture called him, was a man of joy. A man of joy. And so as we see this passage of Scripture, what does Jesus do in us? He takes off the spirit of heaviness and puts on us a garment of praise. Where we were mourning, he gives us oil of joy. Our homes need to be happy homes. Amen? amen. If y'all get it, I'll move, on, I'll move on. But if you don't, amen, then I'll stay right here. Our homes should be happy homes. Amen. All right, here I go to the next point. Our homes should be healthy homes. Our homes should be healthy homes. So we have this old hymn that we used to sing, this world is not my home, I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Beyond the boo. No, boo should be in your home. Hey, boo. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, squirrel. You know, it doesn't take much to distract me. So if the world is not my home, then my home should not look like this world. 
this world is not my home, then my home should not look like this world. And as the world gets more and more hostile and hateful, my home should look drastically different. As the world looks darker and darker, my home should look brighter and brighter. Amen. Our home should be a, a healthy home, one that is a safe haven, one that, is, that, that we are each individually built up and not beat down. Encouraged rather than discouraged. Well, I can walk in and just be me. Because my family loves me for being me. And I don't have to put on anything or be kind of any kind of body other than who I am. Because that's the healthy environment that God wants for our homes to be. Amen? Amen. You ever get tired of just trying to live up to others' expectations? Do you? Oh, you don't. You just, the weight. Whether it be at work. Whether it be at school, whether it be whatever, the weight of trying to live up to expectations. You ought to be able to walk in your house and drop the weight. I'm home. It's a healthy place. Well, I'm going to tell you how it becomes a healthy place. If it comes under the covering of Almighty God, He has something to say. I love Psalm 91. I quote Psalm 91 probably more than any other passage of Scripture in the Bible. And it's a big psalm. But when I wake up in the middle of the night, if I feel any kind of conflict, I just begin quoting Psalm 91. And there's so much involved in Psalm, Psalm 91 with the home. You can check it out as, we, as we're going to look at it. We're going to look at all of the words that connect to the home. He who dwells, Psalm 91 verse 1, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say, Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him do I trust. Surely he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings shall you take refuge. Amen? Refuge. This, this abiding under the authority, under the leadership, the rulership of God. Where did I leave off? Your, his truth shall be your shield and buckler. All right. You should not be afraid of the terror by night. This passage of Scripture in the next verse, this passage of Scripture became especially important. God really highlighted this, this uh, Psalm 91 in the year of 2019. Y'all remember? Because right around the corner come 2020, and COVID was everywhere. And we were, people were like all fearful and crazy and stuff. And, and so... This verse just kept coming up over and over and over again. In Sand Springs, we took communion every night, 6 p.m. every night during those initial phases of COVID. But we kept going back to Psalm 91 over and over and over again. You will not be afraid of the terror by night nor the arrow that flies by day, the pestilence that walks in darkness or the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you see the reward of the wicked because you have made the most the the Lord most high who is my refuge your dwelling place no evil shall come near you no plague come near your dwelling home 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 over and over and over again for he shall give his angels charge over you this verse of scripture satan knows Satan quoted this scripture to Jesus when he's trying to tempt him. Why? Because Satan had this scripture quoted to him over and over and over again. Because when, when the Jewish rabbis would sense that someone was under the influence of a demon, they would come at them with this verse of Scripture. And so Satan tried to use this on Jesus, but he does what he always does. He twists it and perverts it. And so 
He shall give his angels charge over you. In their hands they will bear you up lest you dash your foot against the stone. And Satan's telling Jesus, just jump, he'll catch you. Whole nother sermon. But if it's Satan telling you to jump, it's not God's obligation to catch you when you do. Mm, that preach right there. You shall tread upon the lion. This is good. This is, this is the part that Satan did not want to quote. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent. You shall trample underfoot. Guess who the serpent is? Satan and all of his demonic hordes. The, the scriptures say if you're under the authority of God, then they are the, under the authority of you. Your home should be a place that the demons just walk way around. They're going to walk where, and we can't go near that home. That's a praying house. That's a place that's under the authority of the cross. That's a place that people that plead the blood of Jesus. That's a place, don't go near there. They'll whoop the snot out of you over there. Don't go over there. But I'm going to tell you something. They do not, they're not afraid of a religious home. They come with that spirit of heaviness. So, you shall trample them under your feet. And then it changes. It changes. This is it's almost like one person is trying to preach to another person of what it is to be under the authority of God. And then all of a sudden, God shows up and starts speaking. And he says, because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. We sang Jehovah, Jehovah, Jehovah. Jehovah. There's a whole lot of names with that name. Yahweh God, the, the personal name of God. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble and I will deliver him and I will show him my great salvation. And you know whose name means salvation? It's the word Yeshua. And that's the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. And because you have Jesus, you are now, let me just remind you, keep coming under that authority. Keep lining your home up under the, the, the shadow of the Most High. Amen? That's how you bring uh, uh, God's health into our homes. All of it's about the dwelling place. And now that leads us to the final point, and that is our home should be holy. Our home should be holy. What you understand about holy will determine how you feel about what I just said. When I say that your home should be holy, if you just got anxiety because you're so far from holy, then you just became just like the people with the reading of the book when, in the book of Nehemiah, and then all of a sudden, oh my God, we are so far from it. We are so far from it. Yes, you are, and you always will be if it all depended on you. But it don't all depend on you, praise God. It all depends on him. Jesus said, I have come to fulfill the law and the prophets. I have come to give that to you. And so we can rejoice, but here's what holy means. It doesn't mean sinless perfection necessarily when it comes to when God calls us holy. What it does mean is we have been set apart for his purpose. Amen. Amen. Just go ahead and take the weight off of you. Just take the weight off of you. That, that heaviness, just take it off because it was already laid on him. And believe what, you, what he says about you, not what you feel about you. And, and, and let me just make this real clear. If you think that I'm preaching cheap grace and that, that I mean, well, you can do whatever you want to do and just don't worry about it because you're under grace, then you don't know me. 
You just, that's not what I preach. What I'm preaching is you quit looking at you and you start looking at him and you'll start looking like him. Amen. You'll start looking like him as you look at him. I have a thousand dollar suit in my closet. Some of y'all heard this illustration. I have a thousand dollar suit in my closet. It's my finest duds. I'll probably be buried in it. I might put that as a request. Don't bury me in that suit. <laughs> Grave clothes. I change my own oil because I'm a man. <laughs> I clean fish myself. I clean my own deer, pigs, critters. I do that myself. I don't wear my $1,000 suit while I'm doing it. Why? Because that's something of fineness. It is something of value. I, I got clothes that... You can't tell if they're dirty or clean because they're so stained up and oil stained, all that kind of stuff. I'll put those things on to do the dirty work. Everybody tracking with me? As long as someone keeps telling you you're dirty, you're dirty, you're sinful, you're wicked, you need to repent, you need to get cleaned up, then you don't care how you live because you're just going to wipe it on you anyhow. Because you've already said, well, why do I care if I'm going to involve myself in sin? They've already said I'm sinful. So you just wipe it all over you. I don't care. I just, when I'm changing oil in my, my truck and I'm wearing those clothes, it's the best rag I got. Just wipe it off. But if I happen to be doing a funeral or a wedding, and it has to be a fine one if I'm going to wear that suit. And if I'm doing that and I get something on my hands, I'm quickly going to wash my hands because I don't want it on my suit. I don't know if you're catching where this illustration is going, but you are holy in Christ Jesus you need to continue to remind yourself of that. Otherwise, if you continue to tell yourself, I'm sinful, I'm wicked, I'm dirty, then you just really don't care how you live. You don't really care how you live. But when you recognize I am holy in Christ, I'm set apart for a different purpose, then all of a sudden the mentality changes. And now, Lord, I, I, I want to I clean back up because you say I'm a value. You say I'm something special. I've been set apart for your purposes. And so I just wanted to, I, that, that wasn't even a part of my sermon. I just, y'all got that for free. Just thought I'd add that in there. Don't think I preach cheap grace, but you need to understand I preach grace. I preach grace. It's by grace you have been saved through faith, not of works. It's not of yourselves, lest anyone should boast. It's a gift of God. Amen? It's a gift. It's a good gift. My goodness. All right, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 16. 1 Peter 1.16, your home should be set apart, holy. It should be set apart as this place is a different kind of place. We're a different kind of people. We're God's people. Chapter 1, verse 13 of 1 Peter says, therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober. In other words, you get your thinking clear. Don't get it clouded with the, the corruption of this world. You get your thinking clear. Rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Grace is not cheap. It has been purchased by the life of our Savior. Amen. Next verse, verse 14. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust, as in your ignorance when you didn't know any better, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. Here's my warning label on this passage of scripture. Warning. And you begin to focus on becoming holy, it can lead to heaviness. 
Because the focus so easily comes back to me. And I begin comparing. I compare myself with the the law of God. I compare myself to the people of God. I compare myself with those super saints that seem to never have a bad day. And I compare myself, and then it leads to heaviness. And I'm going to strive to do better. I'm going to strive to be better. I'm going to get your eyes off of you and put them on him. Amen. Amen. The more you look at him, the more you'll look like him. Praise God. So I want to wrap this thing up with uh, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. Let me just point this out. Your home should be holy. That feeling that comes across us that says a little sin will bring satisfaction. A little sin will bring fulfillment. Let me just tell you, that little feeling, it's a lie. It is a lie. It will not bring satisfaction. It will not bring fulfillment. The truth is this. Compromise always brings conflict. Compromise always brings conflict. If you are a child of God, and you've experienced the goodness of our God, somebody moved in, and his name is the Holy Spirit. What was the first part? Holy Spirit. And in that Holy Spirit living within us, a person that Jesus now has declared as holy, if I want to compromise, guess what? There's going to be conflict. I guarantee it 100%. You bring compromise into your home, there will be conflict in your home. I promise you it will. Even if it's not seen visually, even if it's not heard audibly, it will be felt spiritually. You can't. Bring compromise into your life, into your home, and expect to bring fulfillment and satisfaction. Ain't going to happen. It is only found in him, fulfillment and satisfaction. So our homes should be happy, healthy, and holy. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance. The race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus. Not yourself. You'll stumble all over yourself. This is a race of life. And you need to look to the finish line. Looking unto Jesus. The author and finisher of our faith. Who for the what? Joy. Y'all trailing off on me. I'll keep preaching and preaching if you don't gather. That was set before him. Endured the cross despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. There is the completed work of Christ on the cross. And then there is the continual work of Christ in the throne room of heaven. That's worth rejoicing over. That's worth rejoicing over. That's worth rejoicing over. And that every time the accuser of the brethren comes up before the Lord and bringing accusations against Eric Graham, and there's plenty God the Father, all he has to do is look over and see the living, breathing testimony of my righteousness. Y'all with me? Because if it were righteousness were based on what I do, I'm in a, I'm in a mess. I'm, I'm coming short every time. It's not based on what I do. My righteousness is based on he, what he's done. Second Corinthians chapter 5, I'll get it all out eventually. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. And God made him who knew no sin to become sin 
that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And Jesus sits there beside God as the living, breathing testimony that has already been paid for. When the accuser comes and he accuses me to me and he accuses you to me and he accuses me to you and he accuses us to God, God just looks over to Jesus and says, mm-mm, already been bought and paid for. That one's mine. You get your hands off, that one's mine. Amen. Amen. The completed work of Jesus on the cross. The continual work of Jesus in the throne room of heaven. And he continues to say, that one's mine. Is your home his? Are you like Joshua? Joshua was about to bring the nation of Israel into the promised land. And uh, he said, choose you this day who you serve. Whether it be the gods of that country, whether it be these pagan gods. He said, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Amen. Amen. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And I'm going to tell you what that looks like. It looks holy. I know that holy doesn't seem the same as fun and enjoyable, but I promise you, it is. It is. It looks holy. It looks healthy. It looks happy. Is laughter heard in your home? Is it a joyful refuge for you to come to? I pray that it is. That's your homework today. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I pray that we would examine our own hearts to recognize whether or not we're bringing health into our home or sickness. It only takes one whose soul is sickened to make everybody else feel bad. Lord, I pray that each and every one of us will examine our own selves and say, okay, how am I with God? How am I? Am I happy in him? Am I joyful in Jesus? Am I rejoicing in his goodness and his grace? Well, I pray that each and every one of us can say yes. Yes. So I'm going to lead my home in the exact same way. Lord, I pray that you would just put that on our hearts. Not a burden not a, a, a burden of you got to do more of this and less of that. Not that burden, but just that empowerment of saying, you just keep looking to Jesus. You just keep rejoicing in him and everything around you will change. Thank you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.